episode 115, bonus edition, interview with Dee Dee Rittman. Educators, is your passion tank running on empty? Look no further. Gretchen of Always a Lesson has a double dose of just what you need. Come fill yourself up with an empowering educators podcast to start your day feeling empowered. Hey, elite educators, this is Gretchen from Always a Lesson here to empower you to reach your potential. And in fact, I call you elite because that really describes an educator who takes the time to invest in themselves by listening to podcasts just like this one to help hone their craft. Well, today is a special day because we have a guest appearance. I want to help you reignite your passion and potential by learning from another elite educator named Dee Dee Rittman. She's got such an empowering message to share with you, but before I let you listen to our discussion, I want to share a little bit more about her with you. So Dee Dee graduated from Edinburgh University with a bachelor's degree in secondary English. And then she went on to the University of Pittsburgh for some postgraduate credits. Well, after two years there, she began teaching English and theater, and she held that position for 35 years. Well, 32 of those years, she really focused on underachieving students and those with special needs. What is really cool about her, she's known as the bunny teacher because she called her students her bunnies. And one year for her birthday, two of her English classes bought her a real rabbit, which she named Binky Rittman. And she also uses bunny stamps and stickers for rewards and incentives. And when her students were at home sick and they asked for homework, she wrote each one a personal note adding a bunny stamp and a lollipop. She is so super sweet. In addition to that, she's an avid golfer, and she ended up coaching both varsity girls and boys. But this is where her story starts to take a different turn. She thought she was going to teach for 40 years, but her husband and best friend Scott got diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer. That was in December 2009. So she retired to care for him in the final stages of his illness, and unfortunately he passed in 2012. Well, after retiring and Trying to decide what she was supposed to be doing with her life, she began her own company called Rittman Publishing, and that's where she places an emphasis on three C's, confidence, communication, and creativity. So whether she's working with student teachers or special needs students or tutoring one-on-one, she ensures that she embodies those three C's. She has authored two books, uh, one called Student Teaching, The Inside Scoop from a Master Teacher, and one for kids called Grady Gets Glasses. Now that I've shared a little bit about her background with you, tune in to hear an even more inspiring message from someone who perseveres through so many of life's obstacles and has the greatest outlook and positivity I have ever heard of in my lifetime. I first have to warn you, the audio isn't the greatest, but the message is, so hang in there. Well, hey, Dee Dee, thanks so much for being a guest here on the Empowering Educators podcast. 
Gretchen, I'm so thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. Yeah, of course. Well, elite educators around the world are just really eager to hear from you today. So I'm going to get right to it if you don't mind. I don't. Fire your questions away. Okay. So first, let's just set the scene. How did you and I connect? Let's update our listeners on that. Twitter is a wonderful invention. Do you agree? Yes. And I enjoy posting so much good educational material as well as with educational uh, articles that are thought-provoking. I also enjoy posting things that are inspirational, and I think that that attracted you a little bit. Totally. And, and being able to just collaborate with other educators and, and see what they're passionate about and who they're connected to is just inspiring in and of itself. But then, as you mentioned, being able to share things with each other really just steps it up a notch. So I'm glad to have connected with you there. Uh, why don't you go ahead and share with us next kind of your current position in the educational realm. I know you mentioned mostly being an author, but update us kind of on, on your uh, trajectory to that point. Oh, I would love to. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed being a classroom teacher for 37 years. I taught mostly 10th grade English and theater and all different levels of English, so it was terrific. Um, I also coached golf, first girl, girls golf, then boys golf for 33 years. Wow. I directed the talent show for 20 years, the musical for 10 years. I oh worked school. <laughs> I really loved school a lot, and my husband and I had no children, so I was so lucky that I was able to devote my entire life to the kids at North Allegheny. Unfortunately, my husband, who had never been ill in our 32 years of marriage, except for one broken leg, uh, he got stage four colon cancer. So I had to retire in June of 2011, sadly, uh, to take care of my husband. And he did die in May of 2012. I'm of course, so it was sorry. And thank you. It was so great to have that end of, end of the lifetime with him. Right. But I really had no plans to retire. I had always hoped I would teach 40, maybe even 45 years. So when Scott passed away in May of 2012, I had also been taking care of his parents for 10 years, and they died six weeks, then 12 weeks later. Very, very stunning, very horrible time of my life. And in right. between their two deaths, I got oral cancer, and I've never smoked. Oh, my goodness. Oh, it was so awful. And I, we also, Scott and I had a 1932 beautiful old, old house, and it had so many issues. So I had to fix all the issues before I could put the house on the market. So... I worked 16 hours a day for five months. The house sold in the first 12 hours. Oh, wow. I played golf every day. I went out to eat with my friends every day because I no longer had any responsibilities. Right. At the end of a very short amount of time, I said, Didi, what are you doing? You're not contributing to anyone. You're not doing something for others. You're not serving others. And, you know, Gretchen, I had started my book for student teaching back in 1999. Oh, you know, because who has time to be a writer when you're a teacher or director? Right. <laughs> so uh, I revisited the book, and I said, boy, this writing is really good. And I went, wait, this is my writing. <laughs> so I was really happy to revisit that, that the text. And I finished the book. I found uh, an independent publisher who was very interested. And uh, luckily, my book has – I'm a moderate rock star when I go to colleges and universities, I would say. It's pretty funny. <laughs> but um, my book focuses on the three C's that I see as essential for success in the classroom, confidence, communication, and creativity. And it, 
it's a short book. It's only 100 pages, and it is really my best advice to new teachers or student teachers. And it's helped me to make a little career of speaking and visiting schools. And I'm excited to tell you that California Lutheran University just picked me up as required reading. And so I have already have about oh. seven colleges. I know, but now I'm across the United States. I'm not just here in Pittsburgh. So it's very exciting for me. That is totally cool. Now, why student teaching? Why is that, you know, the most passionate part of your journey as an educator? Well, Gretchen, you know, as a teacher, that there are some people who are born to be teachers and others who really need to be led and really taught every single thing. And I taught at a fabulous district, North Allegheny School District in, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. But we had some fabulous student teachers and we had some that should have never even been there. And just observing all those years, not even my student teachers, everyone's student teachers, I saw things that should not have happened like uh, someone showing up in cutoffs and flip-flops for an in-service day. Oh, get out. Really, really? And people that did not know what appropriate dress was. In fact, Dressing for Success is my first chapter in the book because, honestly, that's what needs people need to know that. And um, some of them have organizational skills, did not have that teacher voice. And you know what I mean, and all the teachers listening know that that voice that cuts through the noise. So it's really just chapters. I, I speak in first person. I share many anecdotes and really some great stories. And pictures. I just I tell pictures. them, oh, thank you. And I just tell them this, oh, yes, of course, you have the book. I sent it to you. Yeah, and I just say, you. this is how you should do things. It's a very no-nonsense book, but it still has a lot of humor because, well, I really, you have to have humor to be a teacher. That's the, one of the number one things. But, you know, from the three C's that I mentioned, confidence, communication, creativity, I've actually turned this into uh, many presentations. I do one for high school kids. I do for a professional development in school districts. So there are lots of ways you can interpret my information. It can be on that basic level where teachers are just learning, or it can be reminders and help with getting rid of teacher burnout and trying to look at the profession in a new way. Because as you know, I am also an inspirational writer. You already know that. So yeah. I, I combine both of those. That's awesome. And thinking about your career as a teacher, and then we'll dive into just being able to be an author and, and then bless others in that way. What do you think if you were to reflect and say, you know, the best lesson I learned would be blank. What would that be for you? I will tell you the best thing that ever happened was inclusion. I can remember teachers, remember I, my career started in 1974 and ended in 2011. So I was there for all the major changes that happened. And when inclusion happened, I think it brought a whole new sense of humanity into the school buildings. I'll tell you a short uh, story here about one of my theater classes. My theater class was a class that I could make adapt and adapt for anybody. So I had lots of students with special needs and I had lots of students who were gifted as well. And I had a class where I had 17 gifted children, ninth and 10th graders, and three students who had Down syndrome and other problems. And on the very first day, and I think, once again, you've read many of my blog posts at bunnyteacher.blogspot.com, 
I believe that teachers are the role models and they set the example for whether or not the class is going to work or become a, its own family community. And so I said, you know, everyone, I'm so happy to meet you. I'm looking forward to being with you for the semester. And I said, but one of the things that everyone needs to know is that every person in here has something to offer to everyone else. We are going to learn from each other. They sort of looked around the room and I said, and that includes me. I'm going to learn from you as well. And I said, I would like you to extend yourselves to every person in this class. I want our class to become like a family. Gretchen, it was so wonderful what happened. Um, the three students with the learning challenges were included in everything, even when we did uh, dialogues and scenes and so on. So many kids asked them to be participants. It, it was really a beautiful thing. I ended up calling every parent in that classroom and crying with the parents on the phone oh of how gosh. wonderful their children are. <laughs> oh my gosh. Isn't that something? And yeah. that included, that included I, I called the parents of the students with special needs as well, and I said, if you would like to come in and observe this, it's so wonderful, please come. You don't even have to call me, just show up. So it was truly something so great. And years later, when those kids were seniors, I wrote most of them their college recommendations. And I will tell you that so many of them have wonderful jobs and they're lawyers and doctors and, and broadcasters and uh, they're on the news. And it, it, it's just great. It was a really wonderful learning experience for me too. I think that compassion is really what's so important, like you mentioned, with inclusion and really being sympathetic, and if you can be empathetic, to everyone struggling as they're learning or just in life. And so to be able to empower your kids to take care of each other and recognize their gifts, regardless of you know what obstacles they face, is, is really inspiring. I'm so glad you were able to share that with me. Gretchen, I really believe that empathy can be taught. At my school, we did so many projects for those who were less fortunate because our school district was uh, fairly wealthy, although we had a segment of the population who received some of the gifts that you know we worked on at our school. But I don't know, it's always been so important to me personally to try to teach kids to be able to put themselves in the shoes of another. Even all those years when I taught To Kill a Mockingbird, you know, that's such an important lesson when Atticus teaches Scout about you know, being in someone else's shoes. So I think if you can actually model the, those kinds of lessons and discuss them from your heart, not as a lecturer, right. from your heart, that it really matters. And I just, I will tell you, I had a wonderful career. I love that. Well, you have met lots of teachers now that you're really getting around in and sharing your book and sharing your insight, but, uh, you know, just in your colleagues you've worked with over so many years, and I know we just talked about empathy, but what other characteristic would you describe a great educator would have? I think devotion is really important. I actually wrote a blog, which I just revisited. I wrote it um, about probably a year ago about all the friends and colleagues. At my school, our faculty was so close. I mean, when people had babies, they were passing around the baby clothes. And <laughs> every time somebody had got married, we had a shower, whether it was for the guy or for the gal. When it was the first baby, we had that shower. We did picnics at the end of the school year. We um, 
we wrote, well, I wrote silly stuff with a friend that was uh, entertainment and we, we made fun of everybody, but we, it was all, you know, good hearted and lighthearted and just hilarious actually. And we had Christmas parties and we collaborated. It was one of those things. Okay. I don't know anything about how to do this. Who knows? And everybody pitched right in and our school, it was, this had, this was more so before department centers came into being, we all ate lunch together in the faculty room and everyone got to know everyone so well. And that group, we still see each other. And I mean, some of these people have been retired for 25 years. Holy cow. Isn't that something? And I actually have a, an email list of all, all the friends that are retired in the whole district. And we have a large district. We had eight elementaries, uh, three middle schools, the intermediate school and the high school. So that's a big staff. And when something important happens, I send out an email so that everyone knows. In fact, we just lost a colleague to a rare form of cancer. And I was at the funeral home last night and so many friends were there, you know, so we, we continue to support each other. So I think devotion, not only to the students, but devotion to each other and recognizing the friendships and, and how important collaboration is and sharing. We shared our lives. We shared our lunches. We shared our, our desires and we, we shared our problems. One of the greatest things about that faculty, when I began there, there were so many older teachers and they all became my mentors because it was a new district to me. I had taught two years at Penn Hills before I went to North Allegheny. And I said, you know, I don't know what this procedure is at this school. Can someone help me? And people did. It was great. Well, I'm not surprised that you bring up relationships because just in our short conversation, I can tell that is truly the type of person you are. You're a connector. I, I mean, you are knowledgeable, but that isn't the foot you lead with, if you know what I'm saying. I, I do. And, and everyone says, well, they, they say that I'm the glue that holds it all together. I mean, that, that's been so many times. But I think it's important to connect people. In fact, I had a phone call today from a friend who used to be a club manager at my old country club, which has now closed. And I just helped him to get a new job at another country club. And I mean, I'm still doing that. So I'm still connecting others, but you know, Gretchen, that makes me so happy. It really does. I'm glad. And I was just about to ask you besides mentioning, you know, connectedness, cause that is always my advice for new teachers. And I know you have your book with, oh my gosh, tons of tips. But in thinking about my audience specifically, I've got three buckets of teachers who listen. I've got new teachers. We've chatted about you know, advice for them so far. I've also got teachers that are in some sort of distress or a transition in their career. But then I've got teacher leaders. So if you were going to speak to either the ones in transition or distress or the leaders, what advice would you give them? I'll begin with the ones in transition. Okay. I actually felt that way during my fourth or fifth year of teaching but it really wasn't about teaching. It was about uh, a personal relationship in my first marriage. So I think sometimes we do not want to face what's really going on in our lives and we blame it on you know, our jobs. So it's difficult to take a hard look at that. And I would say get some professional help, even if it's um, just visit a therapist once, somebody, and, or just for yourself say, write all the positives of your job and all the negatives and then really think about it. There is something about putting words down on paper to really weigh something that makes the scales tip one way or another. But you should actually know that in your gut, you know, talk it over with your colleagues. 
maybe you're unhappy because, and let's face it, teaching can be a really lonely profession. Maybe you need to be in a different building where there is a team, because if you still enjoy the teaching, but you feel like you're too alone, maybe you would be better in, in a team situation, say in a middle school or some elementary schools have teams. I know that there, there are fewer than far between at the high school level, but you know, maybe that's a, an idea for you. Or maybe if you have a, a double major, maybe you're not happy teaching social studies. You'd really rather be teaching, um, let's say music because that can make a big difference too. I know for some people, if they have to teach the same thing five times a day, like at the high school level, they become bored. Well, I, I didn't do that. I taught three things a day and I was never bored. And yes, it was more work, but it was better for me to have that entertainment. So, but if you're feeling burned out, you know, and I know the teachers are leaving in droves, maybe you need to think about taking a sabbatical or trying something else or just taking a short leave of absence and trying something else. Yeah, do, you, do you agree? You need to, you know, reinvigorate yourself. You need to fall back in love with what you're doing. And sometimes taking a step back, you realize all that's in front of you. And sometimes it, when you have all the stresses and, you know, in your mind at night as you fall asleep, it just takes away all the good that's in front of you. And it just a, that step aside really allows you to see it for what it is and think, this is a blessing. Yes, I have these other things, but I really love what I do, and this is really great about it, and it kind of recenters your perspective. So I definitely agree with you. I think that's great advice. You know, Gretchen, I found that the more I gave of myself, the more rewards I received, and that was not why I gave. Totally. I mean, I had a student, his parents will never mind, they would never mind that I would talk about him, but he was uh, autistic, had Down syndrome, and was not able to speak. And he was in my theater class for four semesters, and I also taught theater in the summer for kids with special needs. He was in all of those classes as well. And I figured out a way to include him every time. And yes, it was a lot of work, but I got rewards, and his parents were so grateful. And you know, sometimes when I was having a bad day, I, I kept a lot of little notes from kids or parents in a desk drawer, and I would just reread a couple of those to actually rejuvenate myself and say, you know, you are making a difference. You're not making a difference for this person right now, or this person, this parent's giving you a hard time, but that's one parent. You've already taught, you know, thousands of kids. So think of how many great, great amounts of feedback you've had. So I think that that's important too. Sometimes one parent can make us lose sight of who we really are. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> how about those <laughs> teacher leaders? I know you wanted to add something for them. Oh, I do. Teacher leaders, your attitude will set the climate for your entire building. So you have got to keep it positive. I'm going to say that, you know, since there are no beer and wine machines in the schools, we would always laugh at that. You know, food can be a great motivator. I mean, just showing your teachers that you're working with, that you appreciate them with uh, Tuesday bagels or a Friday donut, or bringing in coffees, that's so great. Or sending an email, but make sure it's a sincere email. You know, don't just send it just to send it. Maybe, uh, and I like I like this. I used to have those different desk calendars that had you know quotes on that were inspiring. I, I would rip those off, and for somebody who I knew was struggling, or somebody who I knew was looking for something, I might write them a little note right there on that little. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, right there on that calendar, and say. 
hey, I saw this and thought of you. You know, do you need to talk? Let me know. I'm here for you. Sometimes just knowing that one person cares about you can make all the difference in the world. Yeah, man, great advice. Well, who do you get your advice from? Who's your mentor? Geez, I don't have one right now. <laughs> but, uh, you know, my, my late husband was so great. He was a fabulous listener. He was not a teacher, but he sure loved everything about education. So I, I really miss him. I do have friends, though, my former colleagues, and uh, they helped me to do different things. Like when I wrote my children's book, Grady Gets Glasses, I wanted a, the alliterative GGG, and I have no children of my own, as I mentioned. So I wrote down some possibilities of a G name, you know, George and so on, and I gave all of my friends with small grandchildren these lists and said, See which one the kids can say the easiest. So I'm still getting help from my colleagues. That's and Grady cool. was the answer. Oh, my gosh. I love that. Isn't that funny? And little kids love the long A. Grady. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. So, and then they like the E at the end. So I got those two long sounds. So, I mean, that's who I'm still using. I, I call friends and I say, I'm sort of stuck right now. This is what's happening. Or sometimes I'll even say, would you mind taking a quick read of this? It's only two pages. Do you see where I'm going or am I a bit muddled? Is my focus good? So, you know, I still have those colleagues. Well, I'm glad you brought up that book because we chatted a little bit about your student teaching, but let's talk about Grady Gets Glasses. What inspired you to write that and, and what are you hoping kids take away from it? I wrote Grady Gets Glasses in the 80s, except it was Harold Gets Glasses and he was a bear. I always love bunnies, I have to tell you, and I would call my students bunnies. Okay, bunnies, please take out your vocabulary books, even though they were 10th grade, and you're thinking, are you kidding me? What? Are you real? I'm telling you that I made every kid feel special, and I even would walk around during a test and put bunny stamps on their hands and on their papers, and, and they just, I think it made them feel loved. No one was ever late for my class because they knew when they got in there, it was a safe space. And that's another important thing that educators need to do is to make sure that their kids feel safe and welcome. Yeah. But, um, I wore glasses since I was six and my vision was so terrible that when I had laser vision correction, my diopter in my left eye was a minus 17 and my right eye was a minus 16. And if you don't know what that means, that means my clear vision where I could see perfectly, where other people see 20-20 at 20 feet, my vision was, my clear vision was two inches. Oh, gosh. Yes. And I don't know if you know that the number one cause of blindness in the world is refractive error. And it is completely curable by wearing glasses. And in some countries, though, and in some societies and so on, glasses are not acceptable. And in other places... Kids can't afford glasses, so people go blind. Right. So I was bullied, of course, or I was teased at least, because my glasses really were like Coca-Cola bottles. In fact, uh, my parents both did without new winter coats for nine consecutive years because this was before the days of polymer lenses, and uh, my glasses, the lenses were so heavy that they would break my glasses in half. And, uh, you know, so I, I was so appreciative of glasses. And I have a great PowerPoint presentation, and I give these presentations literally around the globe through a group called Field Trip Zoom. It's really a lot of fun. In fact, it's free on Tuesday. But 
I start out a little bit with like being an author and then I talk about bunnies and I talk about glasses and I actually show the kids some slides that I found of pictures of this is what things look like if you're nearsighted and you're not wearing your glasses. And then when you put your glasses on, this is what it looks like. And they're stunned because they have no idea because if you've never worn glasses, of course you don't know what the other person's seeing. I can remember, oh Gretchen, Scott was with me at the optometrist and uh, our friend David Hartzell and, and Scott said, David, I don't understand what my DD can't see. And he said, sit down, Scott, I'll show you. And he said, would you like to see what DD sees without her glasses? And he said, yes, I would. So he did something with those big round things that you look through. And he said, okay, go ahead. He said, well, there's nothing there. It's just a blur. And he said, I rest my case. Exactly. That's <laughs> So, you know, helping kids to understand why people need glasses, that's really one of my biggest messages. Plus, Grady the Rabbit explains both near and farsighted, care of, wearing of glasses, and the fact that if you wear glasses, or even if you don't, then you're special. He's a very inclusive rabbit. For his friends, he has a bear, a cat, and a dog. And in the third book in the series, they're going to play miniature golf, and it's going to be a an anti-bullying theme. I've already written the second book. It's called Grady Gets Glasses, the prequel, Why Grady Got Glasses. And uh, he has a series of headaches and strikeouts and he gets a bad grade. And this one actually promotes relationships with parents because that's who you should go to when you're in trouble or you're worried, as well as optometrists and the doctor. So these all have these really strong messages about relationships, about taking care of yourself, about caring for yourself, about caring for your glasses. So I'm pretty happy with the book. Um, it's written in 72 lines of verse. And of course, my former student is my illustrator. You know, Lauren Givens Wood, she went to Carnegie Mellon, great artist. My former student is my lawyer. And my, <laughs> my former student is my accountant. Holy cow, that's awesome. That's so they I took care of them all those years, so now they're taking care of me. I was just about to say, oh, I love that. Every, every answer you give is just about connectedness. I love it. And just appreciating each other's talent and empowering one another. Uh, you are just such an inspiration just in who you are, not not just an educator, but just who Dee Dee is in oh. her life. So I just thank you so much. Oh, well, thank you for that beautiful compliment. I'm just trying to do the best I can, really. Well, you mentioned something, and I wanted to ask a little bit more about it because I hadn't heard of it before, but you said Field Trip Zoom. Tell me about that. Field Trip Zoom was created by some educators and some IT guys. This is so fun. It's www.fieldtripzoom.com. Okay. They offer programs from around the world. I mean, you can take kids into the Louvre Museum virtually, and they have lots of uh, programs with authors, and, I mean, it's so, zoos, it's so it's so extensive, I can't even name all the programs. But for, a school district can buy, like, a membership into Field Trip Zoom, and you can get X amount of, you know, presentations per year. I have a lot of kids, when I present, whose parents homeschool them, and they buy the subscription, um, because then they can do author visits and so on. So it, it's a lot of fun um, for me to do all this from my computer, which I'm thinking, when I started to teach, there were ditto machines, and you had to move them by hand, or you had to crank them. So wow. things have really changed since then. 
Um, another group I've worked with is called Wiz, W-I-Z, IQ. And I've actually given webinars for their 400,000 educator members. Wow. Yeah. So they're really worth looking at, too. They offer so many great programs all about education. So it's been a lot of fun. Um, I was working with a friend, Neil Haley, the total tutor, and he's really helped to connect me with Twitter. And I was working for him as a TV radio show producer for a few years, but my book stuff is just taking up too much time. But he's really a genius at all of this stuff, and he's probably going to really like that I'm putting his name out there. But, um, you know, he's taught me a lot about, you know, reaching out and making more relationships. And through Twitter, as well as through LinkedIn, Gretchen, I have been invited to write for so many magazines, I think seven magazines, educational. Goodness. Yes, and one of my favorites is um, called Forest of the Rain Productions. And I write one or two articles for them, every single magazine. Their magazines are beautiful. They're all online. Uh, their Twitter is at a natural bridge and they cover everything from fair housing to helping minorities to get ahead to, I wrote a great article for them about golf, the game of golf plus kids equals success in life. They cover all aspects of education. I would urge all of your listeners to take a look at Forest of the Rain Productions e-magazines. They're terrific. Yeah, I'm going to put a lot of these um, websites you mentioned in the show notes so everyone can grab them. But speaking of contact, how can we connect with you? If someone's got a question or they want to learn more about your books or they just want to get to know you more, what, where can they go? Oh, I would welcome that. Um, they could send me an email. The easiest one is ddritman at d-e-d-e-r-i-t-t-m-a-n at gmail.com. Okay. For Twitter, I'm at ddritman. On LinkedIn, I'm under Dee Dee Felto Rittman. And then for Facebook, I have a Grady Gets Glasses page, and I have a student teaching, the inside scoop from a master teacher page. Oh, great. And my book is at DeeDeeRittman.com, and Grady Gets Glasses is at GradyGetsGlasses.com. And I will tell you quickly that um, the publisher of Grady Gets Glasses has gone belly up and has stolen all my money. <gasps> so I have a new publisher, so Grady's going to be coming out. In an 8x10 hardback, I'm now with Mascot Books. I'm very excited about that. And um, for the listeners who have small children, I'm now an entrepreneur, and I even had a Grady toy made. So you have to look at him. He's so adorable. He's on Grady Gets Classes Facebook page, and he's completely bendable. I can see teachers reading that book to their kids and then having him, like, on their lap. Oh, my gosh, how cute. Oh, everywhere I go, he's a hit, I will tell you. And yesterday, no, two days ago, I was at an event, and this little girl walked up, and she said, aren't you Dee Dee Rittman of Grady Gets Glasses? And I said, yes, I am. She said, you're the famous author that visited my school. And I said, what school are you? And when she told me, that was seven months ago. And she still remembered my name. I thought... I thought, I, luckily, I carry stickers with me all the time, and I was able to give her a few stickers. <laughs> you were so fun. <laughs> well, I also wanted to let you know, before I forgot to tell you, I, I know we talked a, about your loss, and that 
being able to deal with hard moments in your life. And even though you felt like you detoured for a little bit, I think that just allowed you to kind of reignite your passion for what you were doing. And, and you realize that potential was still in there in maybe a different way. And I just want to say thank you for pushing through that really difficult time chapter in your life because you are now able to bless us all in, in a different way than you were before. Um, so please don't realize, you know, before you ever look back on your journey and say to yourself, it was such a hard time. I wish it never happened because it ended up being a blessing, if you know what I'm saying. I do, Gretchen. It was very difficult. And I still miss Scott so much every day. I could cry right now, but I'm not going to because it would just ruin this podcast. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I will tell you that there is something so wonderful. Um, the reason I found my writer's voice again was because I wrote something called the caring bridge for my husband as he was dying. And if you don't know what that is, it's a tool for those who want to connect. Here's, there's that word again. Um, their loved one who is seriously ill or dying with friends because I could no longer take the emails and the phone calls. I mean, Scott ended up with 48 chemo treatments, 25 radiations and so many other issues. And, and to try to keep everybody, you know, in the loop was just too much. So, he, I asked him and he said yes, that it was okay if I wrote The Caring Bridge. And I always put a positive spin on it. Even at the end, um, I let people know that Scott had about a week left and he would really like it if they would share a favorite memory or if they would like to stop by at the hospital, they could you know, let me know. And in those 30 months, we had more than 17,000 hits on our Caring Bridge website. And he got 350 messages. Away. Yeah, in, within a few days. So it was really a beautiful thing to be able to do that. And I actually missed the cathart cathartic feeling I got from writing. And, you know, finishing the book for student teaching made me feel good. And, and once again, I will say I write that inspirational and educational blog every single week. And I have never missed a week in more than four years. And it's at www.bunnyteacher.blogspot.com. So it is, you know, everything in life, friends, teaches you a new skill for you to deal with the next level in your life. Yes. And as I look back, everything has been, it's like building a giant Jenga without taking any of the pieces out that everything that I've done in my life has led me to where I am right now well, as an author, as a speaker, as an entrepreneur. So, well, if there's anything I can ever do to help you and support you, please don't hesitate to reach out. Thank you. I think you're my new bunny. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> <laughs> my new bunny, Gretchen. That's Thank you so much for having me on the show. And, you're you know, welcome. if it ever happens that somebody backs up, you just call me because, as you can tell, I'm so shy and I have nothing to say. <laughs> <laughs> I will do that. Thank you so much, Didi. Have a good evening. Thank you. Great, great talking. Bye. Holy cow. Wasn't that an empowering message from Didi? I mean, whew, I feel like I was on an emotional journey just listening to everything that she has faced 
and how she has used it to better herself and take a different course that was not planned, but she's embraced every inch of it and made the most of her time here on earth, impacting lives upon lives, generations upon generations. And I'm just already a better person from meeting and chatting with her. And there are tough days that I face and I just think, you know, what would Didi do? <laughs> and that's how I kind of get through and, and see the bigger picture and know that I'm here to use my gift to help others. And that's exactly what she's doing. I have linked so many ways for you to connect with Didi in the show notes. So just go to alwayslesson.com, click on podcast. You'll find her episode. She's all over social media. Her book links are on there too. She's got a website and a blog. I mean, she is everywhere. So please don't hesitate to reach out. She would love to get to know you and hear a little bit more about you and answer any and all of your questions. She's super responsive and just has the biggest heart. Didi, if you're listening, thank you so much for being here on the Empowering Educators podcast. I enjoyed chatting with you, and I hope to continue working with you in the future. All right, Elite Educators, that is a wrap for this week's special edition interview podcast with Didi Rittman. Now go out and be great because you've just been empowered. This podcast is a member of the Education Podcast Network, a podcast network that encourages you to think about your profession and succeed in the world of education. Whether you're a first-year educator or a seasoned veteran, there is a podcast for you. All of the shows are produced by educators who want to shape education through meaningful discussion and content. So head on over to edupodcastnetwork.com for more details.